0: My name is Larry Dobrow. I'm MMM's Senior Editor, and welcome to this week's MMM Podcast. Uh, We've got a terrific guest today, one of my favorite people in the business to speak with. John Kenyon is Vice President and Managing Director of Meredith's Targeted Media Health Unit. Um, We'll talk to John in a second, but first, our usual compilation of plugs. Um, MMM's Best Places to Work program is now live. Um, Details are available across, across our social media channels and on our website. Um our next big virtual event is MM&M Transform and that's going to be held on September 30th and October 1st again information in the usual places. And finally um we have a date for the virtualized MM&M Awards. Um they will be held on October 8th as we said in weeks past, you know, clear your calendars, get a sitter for the kids and the pets. Um it's going to be a terrific show and it's going to be a lot of fun even if we're not there to uh, raise a raise a glass and toast each other for the work that was done over the last year. That's it for the plug. So let me formally welcome John Kenyon. John, thank you so much for being here today.
1: Uh, thanks so much, Larry. It's an honor to be part of this podcast. You know, MMM has always been my required reading, and um, it is uh, truly an, an honor to be part of this opportunity. So thank you.
0: Well, you're, you're you're too kind, especially since, you know, since we've upgraded our coverage of health media over the last year or two. You know, you've been one of our Most reliable and favorite people to speak with about it, you know, both for the fact that you know you work for a terrific organization, and for your candor. So that's why we're bothering you here this morning.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can speak for the Point of Care Association. We are we are super happy that you guys have uh, given us the spotlight that you have. So so thanks for that. Mm
0: -hmm. All right, you know, we we chatted a little bit before we started the recording, but um, my my standard first question to people on the podcast nowadays is a pretty simple one: How are you? Uh, how is everybody at um, Meredith doing? Um, how are you and yours doing as we, I think, enter sixth month of this uh, fairly unprecedented situation? Yeah, that's a great question. It's uh, overall,
1: all is actually very well. Um, it's, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm really quite grateful for that. I work for a great organization. Meredith is really an exceptional firm, and they give a lot of. They've made uh, their, their um, employee um, uh, safety and wellness a priority um, in this moment and kind of always and they've really gone uh, uh, made extraordinary uh, moves to make sure that we all feel that the, the dialogue and communication that's coming from the most senior ranks of our organization is ongoing constant and very comforting and uh, we that's you know that's pretty unusual and we are are very very grateful for that my, my team itself uh, Targeted Media Health is is doing fantastic. Um, we are one of the high growth parts of our business, and we have been for um, many years now. Uh, this the, the COVID crisis has definitely been a uh, a speed bump, if you will. Um, but it's but it's good. The the work from home um, uh, uh, challenge, if you will, has been um, you know it's 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 really been the the the, the biggest change um that 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 we've had um in that we just don't have those those opportunities to sit down with our customers and our agency partners to really have those deep insightful conversations about what uh you know what's going on this is a huge challenge so not being able to sit across the desk or over a cup of coffee or over a beer and just you know try to figure out and solve for whatever the challenge is um is really kind of a big deal so but overall, um, we're doing uh, exceptionally well. I'm getting a lot more family time <laughs> than um, uh, than I've had. So we all, I'm, all I'm right?
0: actually
1: Yeah. <laughs> so at, at, at any any given point in time in my home, I either had a a, a Zoom um, uh, phys ed course going upstairs with one of my uh, my daughter's boyfriend, who's a uh, an educator in New York City who uh, runs a, a phys ed program for a school. Uh, my daughter's in nursing school, so she's doing courses up there. I've got a son who's a pretty senior digital uh, executive in New York who runs a team, and he's on with his team upstairs all the time. And right now, as we speak, I've got uh, two law students who are studying for the bar upstairs. <laughs>
0: so
1: <laughs> I'm shocked we have the bandwidth on our on our Wi-Fi that, uh, that we do have. So uh,
0: it yeah, has been great. I, I was going to say, <laughs> you know, that, that's the thing. You know, we, we in the early days of the pandemic, we had the same thing. You know, my kids were doing their school Zoom calls. My wife was doing her calls. I was doing my calls, and we realized, wait a second, there's a reason none of our feeds are working correctly. So we uh, called up uh, Optimum and you know gave them the money that we didn't want to give them, but you know it's kind of kind of a kind of a cost of doing business nowadays, you know. Exactly. So yeah, with um, I think one of the reasons I was so keen to speak with you for the podcast today is that Targeted Media Health, you sit in an interesting place. You're you're in point of care. You're also in print. Um, and you know, you hear so much from a lot of the other point of care organizations about you know everything is going to be digital and everything else. But Meredith has always, in the point of care space, done print, done it well, and done it successfully. T- tell me a little bit about sort of the underlying philosophy for the unit, why it's worked as well as it has for as long as it has.
1: Yeah, it's actually a really simple answer. It's uh, uh, print at Meredith has done so well because it works. Um, It's very, very straightforward. Um, It works um, because of the emotional connection it makes with the reader. Um, It's really, really a profound thing. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, by the way, right now at Meredith, um, print is killing it. I mean, they're doing very well. Um, If Hmm. you look at traditional metrics in, uh, in, in analyzing print, I mean, look at renewals. I mean, People Magazine right now, it's renewing its subs at 22%. And people probably one of the most expensive, it probably is the most expensive subscription um, with very little discounting um, across all consumer magazines. And we're renewing that right now at 20, 22%. Um, the, you know, Online orders, which is a traditional, you know, obviously an emerging area for selling uh, subscriptions. I mean, online orders are up 68% um yeah i could be in 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 the high 60s let's say i don't know exact numbers um and then if you look at like amazon which is an emerging area um uh for for new for new sub acquisition you know we're in the 50 you know 50 plus percent growth in that area as well so subs are doing really really well um but at the end of the day it's um honestly there's just something away there's just something about the way you your mind imprints um, uh, information when it's brought in in a in a in a print environment uh, versus a digital environment. I don't want to get all voodoo science on you here, but but you <laughs> know, like think about think, think about reading something on a screen, right? Um, you're reading it at a lot faster clip than you would uh, in a print environment. You know, it's a little more superficial. There's a lot of skimming and scanning and bouncing. There's a lot of clickbait popping in and out. I mean, listen. This is not a diss on digital. Digital is amazing. It's transformative. It's wonderful, right? Um, This is more about why print is part of digital, right? And print needs to be integrated. But if you think about the average time spent, when you think about just even your own magazine, Larry, right? Even MMM. Like I, I read MMM cover to cover. I mean, we get a lot of great intel out of there. We get a lot of leads out of there. It's a cover to cover read for me, right? I spend at least an hour with every issue. But generally speaking, the average readership for a magazine is between 30 and 60 minutes overall, depending on the, you know, obviously the length of the magazine and the passion points. But, but for digital, you're talking a few seconds, right? You're talking about 15 seconds is yeah, the average. Miss it. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, how much are you going to take in? You know, where's, your, where's the passion going to build, you know, for whatever you're taking? in, the mind is going to imprint it deeper um, and you're going to engage with it a lot at a much deeper level. Um, When you're reading information and bringing it in through a print platform versus really any other, right? So that's why it works, because at the end of the day, the metrics come back really solid. Print at Meredith, Targeted Media Health... Right? I mean this has been around for a long time, man. This we started this on Life magazine, right? When it was a magazine, right? So it's been around for a while, like ninety-two, right? So um, I mean it works really well because it's it is by far, you know, the most targeted thing you can get in point of care. I mean, there's other, other platforms that are, are, are as targeted. Um, but we are at the at the cutting edge of targetability in point of care. You can target people based on uh, specialty, prescription writing pattern, detail patterns, formulary engagement, um, proximity to Walgreens or Whole Foods or whatever, right? You can do anything you want from a filtering standpoint and just hit those right offices. Um, But then the measurability on the back end is also best in class. So you've got firms like Symphony, CrossX and Acuvia, like in there banging out this ROI data for these print programs, and they're, they tend to be best-in-class uh, uh, performance metrics. So those things coupled together, there's very little risk in buying a print point-of-care program um, for a pharma company or a CPG company, for that matter. CPG doesn't have the analytics on the back end that print does. But honestly, this is the metrics just perfectly align um, with why this is so fantastic, and I listen. I got I got to give a plug here from my the edit side of our house, right? I mean, yes, we've got yes. brilliant edil- ed- editors, right? I mean, the content and the work that goes into putting out People magazine every week, and for them to break out a whole separate team that's part of the team that puts out People and create People Health, right? And the time. Think about Time magazine. Like Edward Felsenthal and his team over there, they the things they have to cover around the world right now, it's extraordinary that they're able to put out the number of issues of Time Health that they put out for us. That's a partnership between Meredith and Time. Um, but it, it really is remarkable. The power of the brands that we're able to allow our clients to leverage to reach their patients is really, really extraordinary. So those three things coming together Larry, it can't work. It has to work, right? There's no way it's not going to work, right? Print works. Our biggest challenge is overcoming what you said at the beginning of this. People just kind of generally throw, ah, print. What is print? It's kind of, is it dying? What's going? nobody knows, right? But if you take them through, um, which is kind of nice in this environment, one of the things that is happening right now in this work from home environment is my meeting volume is twice what it ever has been. I'm doing a lot more meetings um, because you, they're just easier to do now, right? It's a quick call. I mean, it was three yes. minutes prep to connect with you. There was no traveling to the city, meeting up, grabbing coffee, getting directions, coming through, you know, all the things. No flights, no airport, like all that stuff. I, we're just picking up the phone and doing it. Um, our, our team calls are much broader now. I've got my reps in L.A. working with the, my, my, my reps in New York that are working with the New York agency. They're all on the calls now, which, you know, would have cost me three grand to do that in the past. Now I can do it for nothing. So all of that kind of makes for, you know, uh, uh, just a a really wonderful um, kind of dynamic for, you know, just selling overall. And then also it's, I mean, print just kind of plays right into that. I mean, it's just, it really is a
0: great uh, time for print and point care. You know, um, to to build on what you just said, you know, you you hear so much, I mean, I think you're not hearing as much now, you know, now that obviously we've all got a lot of other stuff going on. But, you know, there was this thing, you know, like people were almost enthusiastic, They're like, well, Prince is dying, Prince is dying. And certainly over the last decade, that has not proven to be the case. Yeah, My my question for you is, you know, why, why can't we just say, all right, let's do both? Um, I think it was, you know, this is kind of an odd reference, but uh, baseball prospectus used to have a thing when they were talking about analytics versus traditional scouting. Like, you know, why does it have to be the one or the other? You know, somebody asks you if you want beer or tacos, what do you say? You say you want both, right? Why, why are, why is everybody so keen to kind of just say, all right, you know, it has to be one way or the other. I mean, is it just a philosophical divide? Is it that we all like making small talk? What do you think it is?
1: Well, you know, I, truth be told, I, we're not really seeing that. I would say that, um, you know, most of our clients are, there's, there's, a, there's, a, there's probably a handful of clients that we're getting a hundred percent of the point of care dollars. Most of mm-hmm. them are running across other platforms. So they're running on the digital platforms. They're running on sort of the more, more the, um, you know, like the, the wall boards and whatnot. Um, so I don't really see it as an either or what you're seeing in the, in on the brand side is you're seeing this, you know, this digitization. So People is a, it's not a magazine, it's a brand, right? So there's all these different things we can do with it. And they've, they've come, come up with a million different things. So it, it is, it's fully integrated so that it's adaptable for the best use for that client. Um, so, you know, the thing, about, the thing about print, the other thing is in today's, um, you know, world, which is, you know, not, not COVID, but just generally speaking, there's a there's a, a much higher need now for trusted authoritative content, right? I mean, there's just so much out there. I mean, anyone can start a, a site and become an authority or act like they're an authority in whatever the topic is. So there's just a lot more uh, uh, need and requirement for trust. And with magazines, you're you're at the higher end of the trust scale, right? So you're looking at 72 percent is 72 percent of people trust what they're reading in print. Right. Where that number the highest numbers I've seen are in the high, you know, the mid 30s for digital. So, you know, we're talking you're MMM. Right. I'm targeting Media Health. We're talking health <laughs> and wellness here. I mean, you got it. You have to trust your source. Right. It's why point of care is going to continue to be so important. Right. Um, because you need to talk to your doctor. You can't believe everything you're reading, seeing and hearing. You gotta take it in, but you gotta figure out what you actually are gonna believe and what you're gonna do with your own your own healthcare continuum. So print is you know, it's part of it. It's you know, it's I have a sales team. We have to sell this. We gotta be out there socializing the power of print in point of care. Um, but it's not a one you, know, you it's not a w one-stop solution. You, we've got we've had to evolve. We have to have other other solutions because there are teams that for whatever reason a, 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 a senior level brand person makes the call that listen. We're only doing this this year. We we you know we have limited um, uh, budgets, so we're going to put everything this year in digital. All right, or they're not doing print. You know, if they're not doing print, they don't have print assets. I mean, we can. We I mean, I'm part of the foundry at Meredith, which is a, a, a creative innovation team that builds all the content, you know, a lot of uh, branded content um, and and client content. Um, so the thing is that like we can we can produce anything you know we can produce any ads we can produce, produce uh, native content um but to get it through mlr is a you know it's a nine month challenge so we're not doing a lot of that um but you know i think it it's it's not an easy uh it's not an easy answer but in the end larry i think that um it's we just have to keep fighting the fight and that's what we do every day
0: uh, to, to that end, tell me a little bit about, you know, some of the conversations that you've had with, you know, with with brand people since COVID started, since we all kind of got sent home. Um, how, how have their tenor changed? How has their appreciation for the point of care um, changed, um, whether in a very positive direction or in any other direction? Yeah, so the the, the early weeks,
1: right, were were weeks of discovery, right? Lots of questions lots of anxiety. Um, You know, like in mid-March, we started getting like all kinds of questions um, from uh, about office closures, you know, patient traffic, um, any kind of scheduling changes, anything we're hearing about telemedicine, any of that stuff. We have, you know, in in, uh, going into March, we had, uh, we were live in just about 200,000 doctor's offices. And these are all top-tier offices because they're handpicked by pharma brands, right? So they're not yeah. they're not um, no, low-volume offices. Um, and we were with uh, live with about a hundred clients. Now those those clients could be different, obviously different brands within indiv- individual pharma companies. But you know these people all started working, uh, reaching out to us to get an understanding of what is actually happening and where you know their investment in point of care you know, what What is uh, what changes need to be made to that um, to optimize um, any kind of best outcomes coming out of this really national crisis. Um, so what we did, and we really, I mean, we're a tiny little nimble team. We're nine people is Targeted Media Health at uh, in, in the Meredith organization. But we obviously are part of the Meredith organization. So we have all these wonderful teams that support us really kind of aggressively. But more importantly, we have all these unbelievable uh, vendor partnerships um, with, you know, companies that, that are all kinds of uh, spaces that, you know, some of our kind of unique to uh, to to Meredith. But if you think, you know, consider the United States Postal Service, for instance, right? So like we're probably, yeah. if not their biggest customer, we're pretty, we're in the top three, right? <laughs> so we, you know, so so we're, so we're able to lean into like those relationships to really check in with them and say, hey, what's going on? Our copies getting kicked back. Our office, our office is closed. We also have, you know, wonderful point of care audit partners, right? The whole point of care association, you know, has come up with a whole new verification and validation approach um, that has, you know, really deepened our relationships with our with the point of care auditors. We also have like distribution partners. So magazines just don't willy nilly send magazines out into doctors' offices. There's a whole team of, of distribution partners, um, and there's the, the, the leading one in the, in the space is a company called 360 Media Direct, which used to be called WRSS. Um, yeah. But these guys are super close. They all the customer service back end stuff with managing the the files. They do it all, so they know like in real time what the hell's going on. Um, so we were able to lean into these guys pretty quickly um, to get. Uh, I mean, really within hours, not days, within hours. To get like a pulse on you know what is going on um and so you know they know again this probably all this this whole process of informing clients um probably went on for you know probably almost all the way through the end of april right um but we did we we learned from all those conversations and then these guys i mean like some of these guys didn't have they didn't have protocols in place to see, okay, is the office open? Of course they were open, right? But no, okay, now they're closed, <laughs> right? But what was happening yeah. was the pharma the pharma companies themselves, their main conduit into pharma offices were their own sales organizations. And for the most part, doc offices were limiting the volume of patients and obviously prioritizing patients over any kind of vendor relationships. It's as important as those conversations are for them to see the pharma reps, They still weren't doing it. They took a a dramatic pause on that. So they didn't have any intel. So because the pharma teams didn't have intel they they leaned on their partners, which were their agency partners, and they leaned on us. So we literally, we finally started, you know, an image started to shape just kind of generally of what what was going on. There were truly minimal office closures. There were not a lot of office office closures. There were definitely significant changes, um, in practice management overall. So things like social distancing and you know different types of infection containment uh, uh, measures. And then just the the overall prioritization of essential care, like those came to light very quickly. Um, this low access for pharma reps was a really big deal, something we heard pretty consistently even from our audit partners we're hearing. Um, there were obviously, this is most primarily from the symphony uh, research, I'm sure Cubia captured this too, but. We we were using Symphony for it. There was obviously regionalized um, COVID hot zones, um, and then there were there were specific variances um, um, across specialties around patient volumes. And obviously, telemed was like so logical. Like, okay, I can't see the doctor. Or I can do it on the phone now. Um, and there were initially there were all different types of. I know in my own family, the original telemed calls were basically, you know, FaceTime calls with the doc, right? So. Um before the the practices themselves got on board with how their insurance companies were going to engage um they, they you know that that has evolved but you know that and but that was definitely an area of acceleration so that was wonderful, but we did there wasn't enough data that was really specific to what was going on with our business itself um so we fielded um a print <laughs> and digital survey to about ten thousand of our docs really just to get a sense for, you know, what the hell was going on. Um, and we actually partnered with, um, you know, the the the, the, the agencies, uh, many of them, uh, particularly the larger holding companies, have these wonderful point of care teams um, that are embedded in the organizations that really are the authority on what all things point of care. Um, so we partnered with those teams um, to really understand, okay, really, what are the questions we need to ask a doctor? We're sitting across the table from a doctor. What are the questions you're going to ask? So we formulated a very simple. I think it was 10 or 15 questions. Um, the simpler, the higher the response rate. Um, we sent it out to those 10,000 doctors, um, and we wanted to get a sense for really what the heck they were doing. And you know, instantly it came back that you know, you know, they definitely were all making changes um, to their the, the patient flow of their offices. Um, <clears throat> you know, they they uh, many of them did temporarily suspend their magazines in the offices, um, because it's kind of hard to, you know, clean a magazine. So they weren't doing that. Um, and, uh, but, uh, very, very few of them actually just under a quarter of them were saying they were removing their condition guides, which is another big important part of our business. Um, yeah. so, um, but, uh, but only, you know, we found that from that, from that, and we had a very good response to the survey, uh, 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 definitely statistically reliable. Um, we had, uh, a 6% um, of the, of the only 6% of the offices said they had temporarily closed. Um, and with 40% of the non-essential appointments being pushed off about six weeks. Um, so, you know, that we thought was, you know, those were the kinds of insights that they were looking for. Um, but we, you know, we did, cause we were like early on, even before we had all the intel, um, we were like, okay, we're going to have to do something here. Right. So we started thinking about different things we could do. We hit upon um, the notion of digitizing our copies and somehow making those only available in the office as opposed to just broadly putting them out there. Um, and so we floated that question. And there was definite interest by doctors in uh, in terms of making our magazines digitally available to just their patients. Um, so, we, so, we got, so that was the kind of in- insights um, that we got directly from doctors um to that survey and we kicked that back out to our partners. Um and at the end of the day we had to like, you know, our, our early response, um, you know, we kind of assembled a team of of people that were knowledgeable about the space but were kind of creative thinkers and we came up with this notion of, you know, QR codes historically haven't done well, right? But let's let's take the time to design a, a QR code and some kind of display unit that would make it engaging to anyone from, you know, 18 to 65, right? And it's easy to understand. It's visible. It's not going to be offensive or intrusive. The doctors are going to put it out. So we designed this thing. We had the foundry team design it. They actually did. They spent a couple of weeks on it to make sure that it was you know, perfect for what we, I forced them to do it for a 60 year old. So that it would be super easy. <laughs> um, and they so we designed this, this card. We were able to work with our partners to isolate the database of, uh, of the offices um, um, where um, all of our copies were going, obviously. But, to, but the, the trick was, in each office, we needed to make the copies that were historically going into those offices uniquely available in just those offices. So we had to produce, uh, the first wave was 30,000 unique QR codes with these unique stands wow. that we pushed out into these offices in a, like a tricked out designed envelope and everything just so this stuff would make it through and not be perceived as junk mail, prominently featured our brand names, made it all there. it doesn't say Target Media Health anywhere on there. It uses the People brand, used the Better Homes and Gardens brand, it uses the Time brand, our Guide brands, um, and And we put that in there. And I mean, literally the, the one expectation I would never have dreamed of that we would have received anywhere near or like any kind of reaction from the doctors at all, given what's going on. I have a couple of friends who are doctors, right? Uh, mm-hmm. They don't have time for this. I mean, they've got a lot going on just normally, let alone in the middle of this pandemic. I um, mean, all kinds yeah. of issues from running their business came up as a result of this as well. So, But the reaction was super positive. Very positive. In fact, many of them reached out to us saying, "Hey, I want more of these stands. I want to put them in back in in you know across the office, not just in the waiting room." Um, and the download rate has just been unbelievable. So that has done did very well. So we digitized all of our copies, um, and we digitized all of our guides. Um, so that was an evolutionary force that will we will benefit now for decades because everything we're doing is now being digitized. So we now have the ability to let the clients use these, these, this content in its digital original format, um, anywhere around their patient journey environments. Um, so it's, and it's led to a whole bunch of transformative conversations that I don't believe we would have ever had. Um, I mean, I literally had a CEO of a company reach a CEO reached out to me last week because she's launching a new overactive bladder, um, um, uh, uh, device actually. Um, and she wants to leverage the power of um, our health reports guide to educate people on how to understand you have o- overactive bladder <laughs> and wants to make it available to all these patients who have opted into receiving their, imp- so we're going to, we'll build the guide, we'll digitize it, and we'll send it out there. So those are things that were big benefits, you know, of this, this kind of crisis that we're in. Um, so, th- so those things we, you know, we got those right back out to, uh, to our clients. Um, and then we kind of had this whole, it wasn't a wait and see, but it was like, there were some clients. We only had a few that flat out outright said, Hey, you know what? We're just completely taking a pause on everything for the rest of the year and canceled. Um, but we had a lot of them pause. Um, <clears throat> we had a lot of them, uh, you know, uh, the guides were easy to pause, uh, The cover apps are not as easy to pause. We can pause them, but you know, you can't like, we did look at, um, pausing them, holding them, because we didn't know how, how we, when this first happened, you know, look, looking back at Zika, H one N one, some of these other, you know, uh pandemics that weren't we, you know, we had no idea the scale of this. How long is this going to go on? A couple of months? You know, no one no one knew that we'd be here going into our whatever this is, eighth month of this. Um yeah. and uh but at the end of the day, like we just didn't know. So um you know we 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 pulled this all together and uh you know uh, just got you know sent it out there and um it's it's just done ex- exceedingly well so we're 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 really really happy with it um but the notion that we would hold the copies right was just not um you know it was just not doable like you couldn't hold up an issue of people magazine for 4 weeks and then drop it in the mail yeah. so we we passed on those kinds of ideas so what we did is we and you know, we suspended and we'll pick them up Um, We started picking them all up back in July, but we were considering being able to do that really with the monthlies. Um, So we kind of moved on from
0: that. And uh,
1: you know, it's all been, uh, you know, kind of,
0: kind of great since then. So. You know, the thing is, you know, in in addition to all of that, and certainly there was a quite a bit going on, um, you know, your unit also launched a new title during this, Um, you know, people on Espanol Salud, How, how, how much of a, I mean, was it almost like you were challenging yourself? Tell me a little bit about the decision to do it at this time and, you know, why it worked. Well, you
1: know, we launched it at this time, but we developed it a good six months prior. Um, yes. And the development of it really came out of the, the, the just the, the revelation that the Hispanic market in the U.S. is really just it's it's literally booming, right? I mean, they have—it's just gone off the charts in terms of the growth. I mean, I think I quoted on the last call um, when you and I spoke. um, You know, their spending power in the U.S. is—you know—it's over a a, a trillion and a half, which is just unprecedented. And the growth trajectory is—and I forget what the actual number is—but it's growing at a super impressive clip too. You know, when you look at that, um, you compare that with the—you know—the almost communal emotional connection um uh and the level of conversations that the Hispanic community has about their own health and wellness. It's a topic of family conversations. It's not your own personal problem. They talk about it with all their friends and everything. And it becomes a much more uh, conversion. It's a really big part of the of the dialogue. Um, and then there's also like three areas diabetes, lung cancer and head and and um and um and migraines. Um that are um, really, really um, uh, uh, prominently um, uh, above the general market um, in the in the Hispanic market. So if you look at that, the fact that People Health has been so successful, um, you know, working back with um, Armando um, and his team of editors at um, at, at People in Espanol, um, it was this was an easy an easy ask, right? And I don't think the lift was uh, too terribly extraordinary for them. Um, so we, 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 we put this out, um, you know, we, 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 the clients, um, very few of the clients um, in the pharma space specifically have um, uh, you know, a Hispanic specific budget um, allocated for pharma brands. Most of them are, um, are covering them um, in kind of the general market approach. So um, yeah. that was a little bit of the challenge and, You know, so what we were able, and with our targetability, we're able to actually hit markets where there's a, you know, very specific demographic concentration. So we were able to actually do this um, um, in in a a super uh, effective and efficient kind of manner. So that worked out well too. Um, Mm -hmm. The reaction's been Uh, amazing. uh, In fact, Telemundo just did a little segment on it, ran the cover on uh, one of their segments on on a on a news program that they do. So. It's, uh it, we're we're pretty excited about it. We've had, there's been a lot of buzz about it as a reaction, as a result of your story. <laughs> so, so well, thank you so great.
0: much. <laughs> hey, hey, happy to play a role. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, you know, you, 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 you've talked a little bit about this and you touched on it, but um you know, where we're sitting now, you know, mid August, um, you know, again, we're in our sixth month of this thing or longer, you know, for companies like Meredith that do have a larger international footprint. Well, in, in your mind, what, what were some of the things that you learned over the last couple of months? Um, what were some of the main takeaways and what are some of the things that you can kind of apply going forward as we get out of this thing slowly, quickly, or however the heck it winds up happening?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm not sure if it was learned or if it was just reinforced. But the key learning here is, you know what, at the end of the day, there's there's nothing more constant than change, Right. So it's ongoing. It happens all the time, right? When 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 the Sunshine Act went through um, uh, a decade ago, we lost 75% of our business in in two weeks. <laughs> um, so we and and pivoting there, Larry meant we had to work with the government and the and the pharma trade association to understand the guidance that they had issued and how we could respond to it. We couldn't lean on our partners per se. Right, so that was that was super challenging. This is a bigger challenge because it's more a broad, it's broader and it's far it's further reaching but the, but listen in the, in moments like this, and everything uh God I mean you're a parent, right? you know you have to stay calm, take a deep breath absolutely, and, and get to the root of the problem you got and to do that, you have to listen, right So in those early discovery to, uh windows, we had to like sit down and listen to the client concerns and get at really what the issue is right and yeah you know, we got to them pretty quickly so that wasn't the biggest. the other thing is like just generally as a good business principle and you guys at MMM obviously do this um just based on all the brand extensions you have to surround yourself with creative thinkers right you have to go beyond like your immediate group of like friends right like my reps and my team internally um we had great ideas on how to respond but you got to check those with uh, some people that are like two steps out of the industry, right? So they can say, hey, this makes sense. This is what I do. What's just my doctor office experience? You know, whatever it is. Um, and you got to surround yourself with those people. And, but the thing is where the, the differentiator for us um, to get through those early months was being close with these partners. If we didn't have the, par- okay, if I called those point of care teams up and said, listen, we just don't know. We don't know. There's nothing we can do. You know that would not have worked. We're Meredith. We have no. to respond, right? So you. Nobody, have... nobody likes hearing. I have no idea as an answer. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> yeah. You know and these programs aren't necessarily cheap. They're super efficient, but the, the out of pocket, you know, isn't inexpensive. So they want an answer, <laughs> right? Um, and they need to be the. They need to be the best res. The, our agency partners need to be the best resource for their clients too. So so that's you know that's obviously really really key. So to do that, you've got to have these. You can't have these vendor partnerships, right? You have to have deep partnerships that go just just beyond just the vendor relationship. You have to know these people. You have to know them personally. You need to know like everything about them so that you can lead them. Hey, listen, we're in a jam here. Now these guys were calling me like, hey, are you guys all right? Did you get this? How did that go? What did the client say with this? Like, you need those vendor relationships. That's a big chunk of my job is making sure that we are like. Totally, you know, in sync with our distribution partners, our audit partners, um, and any evolutionary partners that we're working with. I've actually a dedicated person that's a big part, a chunk of his job is to make sure that we're we're super tight with these guys. Um, but at the end of the day, Target Media Health, <laughs> you know, is it's a it's a very flexible team. We're because of our size, um, we've all been together for a long time. We're super nimble. Those really are key as well you got to stay flexible. You got to stay nimble. You got to listen. You got to be responsive. I mean, that's pretty straightforward. And if you, if you, if you use that as a playbook, you know, you'll endure um, <clears throat> with the best possible outcome in pretty much any crisis.
0: That's a good North star to have, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Well, I, have, I didn't, I, I'm, you know,
1: I'm not two years out of
0: school. <laughs> <laughs> All right, John, one last question for you, because I already uh, kept you way longer than I said I would, but uh, it's the it's sort of the crystal ball question at a time when, you know, the future gets torn up every couple of hours. Um, the point of care space and, you know, target, targeted media's, media health role in it. Um, do, do you think the point of care space is going to come out of this stronger? Um, is it going to maybe take a lump or two before it comes back to normal, or is it just going to be different when everything returns to, you know, quote unquote, normal? Yeah, so there's
1: definitely a new normal, right? Um, But that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? I mean, I truly believe, right, in my heart of hearts, right, point of care is definitely going to be stronger because of this. And the reason for that is singular, right? The main players, I mean, not the main, probably all the players in point of care are a hell of a lot tighter because of this, right? The collaboration across channels as at definitely an all time high, right? Um, Karen Newmark and the Point of Care Association um, have done a brilliant job of unifying the, uh, the, the players in this space who are fiercely competitive in the market. There's one budget for Point of Care and we're all going after it. You would never expect us to play the way we have for the last six months. It's just been absolutely wonderful um so that's huge so because of that we will definitely be stronger i do believe we're going to see some new players in the space i mean seriously if you think look at the taladoc Lavango deal that went down last week the 18 billion dollar yeah, exactly. deal like okay um those guys are going to veer into the point of care space frame i mean if you start looking at a chronic disease management company that is killing it super innovative doing all kinds of really cool things by all of a sudden merged with a teledoc, like one of the probably the biggest tele, telemed company in the space there's going to be an opportunity for definitely for partnerships but they who knows they may venture into the space directly themselves I don't know um but you know that'll be transformative for sure um and I think the venues I mean Mike uh, Collette's um vision for point of care everywhere and anywhere I forget exactly what it is but you know what I'm saying um <laughs> the, uh, I mean it's true like it's and you know it's going to be everywhere I mean, we've been we've been working on you know beyond the beyond the, um, uh, the office kind of solutions for a while. Um, the, the 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 forced um, uh, you know digitization of our copies make it a lot easier for us to do that. So I think you're going to see new venues there. I mean, I think I mean you, you start looking at what's going on with at the pharmacy level. You know, a lot of those pharmacies are kind of they're kind of leaning more into the. <laughs> the, you know, the, the, the office space, right. Where they're actually going to start setting up practices in stores. And, you know, I, I don't think it's too far down the road where you'll have like, you know, some of the big box retailers that have pharmacies embedded in them, like literally having stores in the store. Right. And so how does that change? Right. (laughs) You know? Um, So that's, you know, that's going to, so the venues will certainly change. Um, You know, the content, I mean, I got to give my I'll give ourselves a plug here, but like the the content in point of care right now is you know it's got, it's it's definitely at a at a new level given the, the 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 edit teams that are building content, especially for for our guides. Um, so content is definitely evolving. Um, <clears throat> but but generally speaking, you know I think that you've got uh, the technology sector right now the things that are going in not in in data targeting. You know, we just we just added a new filter for our targeting. Um, Larry, I won't go on too long on this, but um, we partnered with um, one of the really innovative digital teams at Meredith is um, over at the M&I and the Meredith local team. Um,
0: mm-hmm.
1: And these guys created a, a product um, that we've been able to kind of pivot a little bit towards uh, towards point of care that really gives us the opportunity. So with, with Mato, we can now track actually in real time how like OTT ads drive people, right? Specific uh, uh, people in their homes to brand sites, right? So we can literally see, and the brands actually get a dashboard to see this activity on what's going on with their OTT ads and where they're driving to their sites. So the relevance there for point of care is, so now we can literally see like kind of hot zones. If it's a national campaign, which, which most of the OTT campaigns are, and OTT has really taken off because the network is so challenged linear is so challenged. Um, yeah. But, uh, but you can now see like specifically, Hey, we've got like a huge incidence of people responding to the psoriasis ad in Melbourne, Florida. I mean, that might be a little too narrow. We certainly can do Melbourne, Florida, <laughs> but so we can literally heavy up. <laughs> <Why> we're <not? laughs> always, you know, we're always looking for a target media health. We're always looking for more filters, right? We need more filters because we're not the tool to reach a hundred thousand you know, you know, you know, internists, right? We are not, that's not us. We're like five to 20,000 offices are kind of our sweet spot. So we're constantly looking for filters, especially if you start looking, start working with firms like uh, P&G and Kellogg's, right? So this becomes a really cool filter for us for how to find the markets where you have the most engaged people, most interested in psoriasis, (laughs) right? So that kind of technology, as it evolves, Right. You're going to see more and, uh, and more robust, targeted solutions coming out of the point of care sector, um, which can only benefit all of us just generally.
0: John, we're going to have to check in on this again very soon, because uh, you know a lot of the things that you're talking about aren't three, four, five years out in the future. They're uh, six months. They're soon. So uh, yep. come back, <laughs> won't you? Will you come back?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Are you kidding me? I'd be honored to come back.
0: All right. John, this is John Kenyon from Meredith's Targeted Media Health uh, Unit. John, I can't thank you enough for being here today. As always, uh, I always come out of my conversations with you feeling a lot smarter. So many thanks for your time.
1: <laughs> thank you, Larry. I really, really am All honored right? for, uh, for
0: this opportunity. All right. And that's it for today's mm and podcast. Many thanks for listening. Uh, we will be back next week with another one for mm This is Larry Dilbrow. Uh, be safe and be well. Take care.